This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, good times are had. As we watch Spine 130 in the Criterion Collection, Jan Kadar and Elmar Kloss's The Shop on Main Street from 1965. But first, RJ, you're looking a little worse for wear there. You're looking a little, ha- looking a little run down. Papa had a long day, Jarrett. Yeah. You know, Papa's feeling a little tired. I, uh, I think my, uh, all my escapades and adventures are starting to catch up to me. Yeah, you're looking a little raccoonish there. A little raking? Yeah, a little raking-ish, round, round, like, dark a little around the eyes. We got rakins at work. Oh, yeah? We put, we put out traps for them. Like, you have these, like, little animal traps, uh, and there's, like, this jam inside. But uh, the rakins are real smart, and they just, they flip the trap over, <laughs> and they just pull that jam straight out of it. We did get a skunk, though, the other day. Oh, great. Yeah, and uh, a local member of the community came for 40 bucks and took the skunk. Uh, and he released it back into the world. Oh, good. S- someone else's yard. Good. Yeah, someone else's yard. He didn't even get sprayed. He was a he was a real professional. You just want the, I mean that all that skunk wants is to find a little den of its own. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Yeah, no, I'm uh I'm feeling a little tired, Jer. It's really catching up to me cuz I mean, this weekend I have a friend visiting who's actually going to stay with me. So, which is nice cuz I miss him, but at the same time it's going to you know, more stuff to do. And then the weekend after that, I have a wedding. And the weekend after that, I have a wedding. And then two weekends from that, I have a wedding. One of those weddings, Jarrett, is 1,600 kilometers away. <laughs> and uh, we agreed to go because I want to, but uh, we're also going to drive. What? <laughs> yeah. I've done I've done the drive before. It's not that bad. It's like, uh, <sighs> it's 13 and a half hours. Oh. Yeah. Oh, going to... Colorado, huh? Yeah, we're going Fort Collins Big City Burrito. Huh. I'll uh, I'll I'll chronicle the adventures on the uh, creeps because I think uh, anyone who isn't who has listened to the, to the show or me in real life has probably heard me talk about that place in some capacity. So uh, it's all coming together, man. Hmm. It's all coming together. But yeah, we uh we got three more weddings. I think that caps us off at seven for the year. Whew. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting a little tired, man. I uh, I for I, I'm forgetting stuff. I was reminded today because uh, the the one we went to in Montana two weeks ago, the father of the groom who we're friends with, he's a brand inspector. So I saw him at work today, and he was mentioning my uh, my sick dance moves at that Montana wedding, and I had forgotten that I had been dancing because uh, they had a a guy with a good beard playing guitar. He was a one man band, but they got him to play Brick House, which is a song that I danced to at weddings. I think it was a setup job, but uh, I forgot there was. I went out there and I was dancing, and the bride and groom were out there, and I was dancing with them. And there was a. Did I tell you this story already? No. Okay. There was this chick, and she was like, just one look at this lady, and you could tell she was like a stick in the mud. It was like unwind a little baby, let go, like, <laughs> feel, like get into it, you know. Like she was just. It was like, why are you even on the dance floor if you're gonna have such a sour face? Spoken like a true predator. Well, okay. Well, this is what happened. She was just standing there. She wasn't even dancing. And uh, she was like real sour looking. And you could tell she was like mad. And I was like, all right, just leave. But I was dancing. And she looks at her friend and she goes, what is this guy doing? 
like to me because I was really I was really being me, Jarrett. I was being the best me that I could be. And so I looked at her and I said, "It's called dancing, honey. Why don't you try it sometime?" And she got she got mad and she left. So uh, the guy he reminded me today. He was like, "Yeah, that lady wanted me to dance with her too." But he's like a sixty five year old guy mm-hmm. who was like two stepping. I was like, "Oh, she didn't want to dance with me," but uh, you know. Anyways, she should try it sometime. Yeah. You know. Pull, pull you ever? <laughs> called dancing, honey. Yeah, pull that stick out of your ass. Yeah. Well, you ever just like you know, Jerry? You just gotta let go sometimes. Like Julianne Moore in a movie where she's a some sort of hippie thing. I don't know. What did I? Why, why is she on my? Oh, I watched a movie with her this week. Okay. I was like, why the hell am I thinking of Julianne Moore? She would do something like that, though, right? Yes. <laughs> Anyways, I'm tired. How are you? Yeah. You you got what? Like one week? One week left, and you're back in the big house. Uh, week and a half. And, uh, yeah, I'm really going to. We're both back. Yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Do people actually know that you're going back to school just like Rodney Dangerfield? No, they don't. And it is back to school just like Rodney Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be semi Billy Madison style as well, as I will probably progress through every grade. No, I don't think we've ever mentioned that, but yeah. uh, I'm going back. My, uh, I, I call it my sabbatical at uh, Baylog Auction is uh, coming to an end. So I'm back at the big house in two weeks, and I'll be doing that for a while. That little backpack over the one shoulder. Uh, I use both shoulders because I ain't no chump, and lumbar support is important. Mm-hmm. Serious business. Yeah. yeah, that's important stuff, Jerry. If you don't take care of your back, and, uh, no one can take care of you. And uh, what uh, what will you be studying uh, as you return from having a master's? Uh, to a do, master's to do, to do another bachelor's. Uh, I am getting into some all sorts of things. I'm trying something a little different. I uh, I don't know if people want to hear about this. Do people care about our lives? Uh, if they're listening to this shit, yes. Uh, okay. Well, I uh, I'm not doing neuroscience anymore because uh, I don't want to. I I could have did a PhD in psych, but I didn't really want to because I want to stay here, man. Because one time Jarrett said, if I ever move away from Lethbridge, the podcast is over. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was that deep threat that uh, made me want to hunker down. No, I didn't like the lifestyle. So I decided I'm going to switch it up. So I'm going into the ed program. I'm going to get an ed degree. I'm going to be a little teacher. Hey, yeah. Go to uh, hang out with the kitties. That's weird. Kids? That's, that's weird that you said it that way. Maybe. Why? I don't know. Well, you know what I'm actually pretty excited for, Jared? <laughs> yeah. If I'm teaching in classrooms, I, uh, you know what, you know what my favorite all the time was, and the very reason we started this show, the very reason we bonded, was that Halloween season, baby, because in school it was always the funnest. So if I'm a teacher, I got to go dress up those classrooms. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll do that, but I have a master's too, so I can do lots of stuff. Yeah. A lot of potential out there, baby. Versatile. I'm versatile. Yeah. No, no, I, no rules. No rules with a Z. Yeah. Yeah. One of those, uh, what were those? You know those stickers? Yeah. You know those stickers? <laughs> Do you remember Pogs? Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways. <laughs> yep. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking, RJ. I'm doing swell. Um, I did ask. I know, over. but uh, we got someone turned back to you. 
You turned it back you, to me. You, you, you. Anyways, yeah, I'm back to work soon. Next week, I'm going to be off. Uh, <gasps> I don't know. I've, yeah, I think so. And I have no idea. I have nothing planned. It's also going to be my birthday. And uh, that means absolutely oh, nothing. Yeah, exactly. Me neither. Um, so people always ask about that shit. And I go, I don't know. This is. Do you just, have like, like you don't have to do anything. Like I don't do anything for my birthday. No. But uh, we always have like a meal or something that's you know like your fave what are you gonna have like, for your birthday see, dinner it sounds like i'm gonna be executed afterwards you could be well see that's the thing you're a year older you don't know every day you have is a day more than you should have wow it seems like a it's like a you there's something on facebook a, a meme an inspirational yeah. quote uh i'm 14 and this is deep yeah that kind of stuff. Well, I'm just asking, like, do you do anything for your birthday? Do you have like a little cake or no. a little dinner? Usually I get, I, I actually will be recording on the day of my birthday, I think. Mm, that's pretty sad. Oh, no, we're not. Okay. That was last Good. year, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, Jerry, you might not want to do something on your birthday, but it's called living, honey. You should try it sometime. Yeah. 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 These stupid Wednesdays. When did we do my, we recorded on my birthday. What was it last year? Year before, I don't know. Anyways, well, you do something fun. Have a have a fun treat. Maybe have a fun treat or something. Mm -hmm. Some uh, some Dairy Queen ice cream cake. You could get a Blizzard for dinner. That would be cool. Mm, I think I want that ice cream cake. And just you're more of an ice cream cake guy for for days and days. Here's here's the real question: ice cream cake or treats of pizza? Ice cream cake. Ice cream cake. You need that sweet ice cream and not just that decadent fudge. Oh, no, it's all about that little cookie layer in between, that fudgy bit. Well, that's what that treats of pizza is, you know? Mm, it's different, it's, though. It's about context, RJ. It's always about mm, context. I don't play the context game. That's why I get in a lot of trouble with the ladies. Yep, and the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, RJ. Ah. We've got listener feedback. What? Is it good or is it bad? From email number one. From Oliver Granger. Oh, uh, he sent he, in more than he, one. He no, no. He 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 is piped in just to say uh, to mention uh, with Letro. Uh, oh, that okay. He says it's actually on Letterboxd, really good quality. And I think what he means by that is like if you go to the Letterboxd page, oh. there's like the yeah. like you can watch it on these platforms. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, last week I had mentioned that like this is out of print. Like so, mm-hmm. the, the physical copy is out of print, but it does live on digitally, which means it is accessible by people. Because I always forget that most people aren't um, morons like me who still have an attachment to physical media, mm-hmm. and you can just want you just want to watch a movie digitally. You don't need to have a copy of it. That's perfectly good and normal of you. Um, My only thing with that is, does that work in Canada though? Because there's so much stuff that works it everywhere might, in the world that doesn't work in Canada. Well, it's on. It's probably on iTunes, so it might actually be okay. But see, my my issue, and this can kind of turn into a much bigger issue, is mm. the with digital stuff is they can take it away one day, and then you can't watch it at all. With so, the, you, they can't take your movies away until the movie Nazis roll into town. But I think they'll so, have bigger fish to fry. Bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Mm. I uh, so I I. I did a tester just now, and I know this is an extreme case because I'm sure for like more mainstream movies, there's probably better options. Yeah. But I just pulled up Scream Queen Hot Tub Party, and there's an Amazon CA buy, mm-hmm. but all it does is redirect you to Amazon yeah. where you can buy $60 for the DVD. Yeah. 
I'm gonna try another one. I I have faith that. Oh, rent. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, iTunes. There you go. All right. Well, you so know it is accessible, people, and you should check it out because that movie last week was pretty fucking good. Yeah, that was a good stuff. Uh... Email number two from oh. a new challenger. What? Someone, we got a new person? Yeah, some, somebody here named Jeremy Bryant. Hmm. Sounds made up, but keep going. <laughs> he writes, did you guys cover the Long Good Friday on the podcast yet? Bob Hoskins' performance is quite memorable, to say the least. Uh, to answer that, uh, yes. Yes, we did. Episode 22, as a matter of fact. Um, and on the subject of British crime films, any opinion on Alan Clark's 1979 film, Scum? Uh, I, and keep up the great work. Why, thanks, Jeremy. Uh, I can speak for RJ. RJ has never seen Scum and Mm -mm. probably has no idea what an Alan Clark is. Nope. Um, But I have. I actually own the Alan Clark uh, collection that came out like years ago. I think there's like a Blu-ray version that's come out that's Mm -hmm. upgraded all those movies. Uh, Scum. Scum is good stuff uh, for listeners and for RJ. Uh, It is a Hmm. film set in like a a juvenile delinquent uh, sort of deal. So like all the kids, that's where they get sent when they're bad. Sometimes kids mm-hmm. are sent there that probably would be better served not going to like uh, this sort of institution where they will be abused, learn how to become better criminals, uh, potentially raped by fellow children. Um, it is uh, is that like reform school girls? Uh, yeah, but real grimy and like realistically oh. grimy. Not a kind of wacky, fun 80s action. This is like late mm. 70s British kitchen sink realism grimy. I don't know if this is my kind of thing. Um, probably not. I think you would get the movie. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like, it's brutal. It's about unfairness in like the struggle to try to make a, a system work, uh, even though humans are involved with it. It's about rising to the top and mm. proving that you're the top man, arguably as well, starring a young Ray Winstone. It's kind of like this podcast. Yeah. Did you say Ray Winstone? Yeah. I'm always down with Ray Winstone. Yeah. Yeah. He's a uh, Criterion alumni soon. Yeah. Not soon. It could be many years from now. Yes. <laughs> but uh, he's in Quadrophenia, which I don't know what spine that is, but uh, there's a very young him in that movie. Oh. And, and a young mm-hmm. st- Stinger. Oh, uh, yeah. Sting is in there. And uh, yeah, Sting's shirtless in one scene, I think. But yeah, uh, that's nice to hear uh, from a new person, although I do think their name is an anagram for something more evil. Yeah. Um, But it's good to hear. Yeah, we did cover that movie. You know what else we covered? Mona Lisa, also starring Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Our our close personal friend, so check that one out too. Because that movie was okay. Damn right. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, Yeah, so that was listener feedback. So it's so novel. feels so nice to be loved. Uh, yeah, it does. Hey, RJ, what, what you been creeping on this week? A whole pile of shit, Jarrett. Oh, man. Because I know you don't watch movies anymore. Mm-hmm. So I really stepped it up here, and I watched like, fuck, how many movies did I watch? Like six or so? Impressive. Do you want to hear about them? Mm, okay. Some of these aren't Jarrett picks. Yeah. Some of these are Andy picks. Yeah. I, I Actually, did, I most of these are. Yeah, I noticed a, a theme. A theme? Yeah. Well, we were both tired, and she's like, I just don't want to, I don't want to put too much work in in my watching. You don't have a, a monoxide leak in the house, do you, to explain how tired you all are? 
No. No, it's just the the crushing defeat of life. Oh, that that kind that of tired. Chestnut. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched this movie, Jared, on Netflix called What We Did on Our Holiday. Mm-hmm. It's from two dudes. They're English. It's from 2014. It's a BBC movie. It stars your buddy, the Purple Man from Jessica Jones, oh. Doctor Who himself, David Ten- Tennant. Tennant, yes. Yeah. And uh, our girl, the Gong Girl, Rosamund Pike. And uh, another friend of the show, Billy Connolly. Uh, he's back from uh, whatever he used to do. Was he in Monty Python stuff? No. No? He could have been, though. <laughs> Maybe. Was he... Uh, oh, I, I confuse him with John Cleese sometimes. Oh. <laughs> but he wow. he's kind of like John Cleese. No. But continue. No? Continue. Okay. So there's this movie, Jared. It takes place in Scotland or some shit. And uh, David Tennant, Rosamund Pike, they have three kids, and uh, they're all kind of quirky in their own way. The son is really into Vikings. Uh, the oldest girl is, like, really w- nervous about stuff and anxious, and she keeps a journal of everything. And then the younger girl, like, steals stuff. She's a kleptomaniac. She just can't be stopped. Uh, so they are getting separated, but it is David Tennant's dad's birthday, Billy Connolly. So they're driving out to the country. And they tell their kids, don't tell anyone we're getting divorced because uh, it's grandpa's last birthday because he has cancer and he's going to die soon. So let's just have like a weekend. And they they go and they try to keep it together. Uh, what? And then so they go there and then it's like David Tennant's brother and they're all kind of quirky in their own sense. And you see Billy Connolly with the grandpa, uh, the grandkids. And then you see David Tennant, Rosamund Pike. They're trying to deal with this stuff, even though they don't really get along anymore. So this movie, Jared, is a little weird because the first half and the second half are very, very different movies. Uh, And I think the first half of this movie is really good. And I think the second half of this movie is okay. Uh, Okay to eh, not not very good. So what happens in this movie, Jared, is they go to this birthday and the grandpa takes uh, the three kids out to the beach for the day. And like they're all having a lot of fun and he's like the best grandpa ever. And he's talking to the kids because the kids have all these questions about like why adults don't understand stuff the way they do. And he's kind of and he gets them because he's like wicked old. And he's talking about like how people's perspectives are different when you're young and when you're old and when you're like a middle grown up kind of person. And uh, what happens is he dies on the beach Hmm. and these kids are like, oh, shit. So uh, the oldest daughter runs back because it's about like, I don't know, it's like 10 kilometers or something, maybe less than that. It says it's like half an hour walk or something. So the old girl goes back to the house and she sees all the grownups fighting and she's like, man, fuck these people. Grandpa was better than this uh, because before grandpa died, he talked about how he didn't want to have a be buried and how no one really understood him. And he wanted to go out like a Viking, like how the son likes like a pyre so what these kids do is they make a little raft and they float the grandpa out on it and they burn him <laughs> they burn his body Jarrett and then they come back to the house hmm. that would and smell. everyone's yeah uh, well they're a good distance away and he's like out to sea now but uh, they come back to the house and the grown ups are like hey where's your grandpa and they're like oh well we burnt his body and they're like huh and uh, so that I think that's all really, really good. But then where it goes from there is kind of weird. It's like the story gets out and then news crews come to the house 
and then like social services come they're like is this an unfit environment for these children that they were allowed to do this and then it turns into like that kind of movie Mm. and uh it's not as good man it's a little it's a little weird right so uh anyways what we did on our holiday uh the first half of that movie is really good uh and i think it was it was different and had some cool stuff in it i was like yeah this is a good show and then the second half of it it gets kind of what you would more of what you would expect one of those movies to be so Mm. bbc film brother yeah you got anything to say about that movie? So is this just like on Netflix? You're just yep. like, yep, yep. I'm going to watch that. You know what else was on Netflix? And we were like, oh, we'll watch that. What? Here comes the boom. Yeah. I With our that. buddy who apparently on Letterboxd doesn't even have the leading credit. That goes to Selma Hayek. Huh. That's weird. Uh, with Kevin James. Uh, you know him as the King of Queens. So this thing's directed by my friend Frank Karachi who did uh, The Wedding Singer and The Water Boy and everyone's favorite movie, Click. So uh, here comes... Have you seen Here Comes the Boom, Jarrett? I feel like this is a movie you would maybe watch. No, I have not seen this movie, but I am aware of what it is. This movie is a promotion... It's a hour and a half long promotion for the UFC Mm -hmm. starring Joe Rogan and Salma Hayek, and they endorse the UFC... At every opportunity. Uh, and that's fun. So I thought you would maybe know about this because of the strong UFC influence. Yeah, that's, that's kind of why I'm aware of it. Because I remember yeah. when this movie was coming out. Because what year was it? 2012. So that's like right when I started following MMA. Like almost, that... it, was like, it was like the end of 2011. So oh, okay. when I started like kind of watching stuff here or there, this movie was this movie was being promoted a lot, and I was kind of like, "What is this? This is like a pretty specific movie." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is specific. Uh, I believe that Kevin James wanted, uh, like, I think he wrote. He has a screenwriting credit on this. He probably wanted an excuse to like get kind of fit and do and get paid for it at the same time. Yeah, because like, like, not that he's like ripped or anything, but he's kind of got that strong dad bod where he's got a like a gut but his top half is pretty pretty in shape it's like alex jones yeah yeah exactly like alex jones he kind of looks like alex jones even Mm -hmm. yeah so he's like kind of fit so this movie jerry uh speaking as we were speaking of education i guess this we watched this because this is my future life kevin james is a teacher and he is kind of like he, he's kind of not like giving up. He just doesn't care anymore. He He's like, oh, you kids suck. And he just comes into school and reads the paper every day. And then uh, you see a cute Henry Winkler because that's what he plays now is cute old men. And he's the music teacher. And the school is cutting his funding. And then Kevin James kind of gets roped into being the guy to stand up for it because he's got the hots for Selma Hayek, the school nurse. Uh, and I was watching this. I was like, what else was she a nurse in? And I was like, oh, yeah, the faculty that hot movie we watched for the body snatchers episode. So she's a nurse in that movie too. Weird coincidence. So anyways, uh, Kevin James is trying to raise money to save the music program for the school. And, uh, he turns to UFC because he watches a UFC fight and he sees that the guy who lost the UFC fight, uh, won 10 grand, not one. That's like what he was paid yeah. to yeah. participate His and purse. not to win. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, oh, that's easy. I can go get beat up for a while. He's like, I wrestled in high school. So that's what that movie's about. Uh, it is. 
okay. It's right or it's right exactly what you expect it to be. There's a few few moments that are nice, a few moments that are funny, but uh, on the whole, it's just like a Happy Madison movie, like a new Happy Madison movie, like all of Adam Sandler's other stuff that comes out right now. And I don't know. There's there's honestly there's not a lot to it. It's there's a couple fight scenes. Uh, there's a couple scenes of Kevin James being like with fat jokes and that's always funny mm-hmm. and uh you know he gets thrown through some stuff he gets beat up a lot does he get beat up by women and it's funny uh no he does actually well oh no yeah him and selma hayek fight and she tosses him does, does she give him uh, a judo toss no she she jumps on him and he like f- goes through a wall or something oh okay that's yeah, that's but, real lazy yeah but uh i don't know henry winkler is really uh cute in this movie hmm and there's a guy who looks like uh, he looks like a UFC fighter guy, and his name is Baz Rutten. Yeah, that's Baz Rutten. Okay, uh, he apparently he's been in four Kevin James movies, so they must be friends. I uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, so uh, he's in this, and he's kind of charming. But uh, yeah, there's there's not a lot to this movie, Jared. Oh, you, I guess like yeah, if you didn't have like TV, there's this window of time where like he had this like ridiculous show where of him just like showing you how to defend yourself. And he As Rutten? Yeah, and it's like, okay. Yeah, he's uh he's he was an MMA guy from back in the '90s. He's quite the character. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty cool guy. I like that guy. He's very, he's you... got a he's got a pretty great accent. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, he seems to have a good sense of humor about himself. Hmm. Well, yeah, he was good in this. Yeah, yeah, he's so, a he's a charismatic guy. Let's move right along. Okay. Yeah, I I have, I, 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 I have nothing to say about Here Comes the Boom other than I I don't want to watch this. I don't think you would have anything to say about any of the movies I watched to, uh, this week except for the last one. Yeah. So I have two more, and then I have the last one. Okay. So I'm gonna mention them because you don't have any movies to talk about. So. Okay. Got to got to fill that dead air somehow. That's right. You ever heard of Fever Pitch, Jarrett? Yeah. Have you ever seen Fever Pitch? No. By your buddies, the Farrelly brothers? No. I I gave up on them. Yeah. They gave so, up on me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good call. Fever Pitch is a book written by Nick Hornby. Yes. Uh, a lot of people know him. He's a good writer. He wrote stuff like High Fidelity yep. and About a Boy yep. and Wild and uh, Brooklyn. And Fever Pitch, starring, starring Colin Firth from England. So anyways. Before anyone gave a crap about Colin Firth on these shores. Mm-hmm. He was the guy helping him out. So he wrote this book called Fever Pitch, and it took place in England. And I guess the Fairley Brothers or whatever company this is made for. They're like, hey, let's make that a baseball movie over here. We'll get some Americans in it. We'll sell it to the Americans. Uh, I think it was a, a really good idea. Because I think the story as like a romantic comedy is actually really good. Fever Pitch, Jarrett, is about uh, a guy and a girl and they fall in love uh, in the winter and they're having a lot of fun. And then uh, summer comes, spring training, and the girl finds out that the guy is a Boston Red Sox fan. What? He's a a season ticket holder, Jarrett. And it's never come up before. But now... Is she a Yankees fan? No, she doesn't. She she's no fan. She's not opposed oh, to sports. She okay. doesn't care. But he is. He's not just a fan, Jared. He has toxic fandom, like uh, some of the fans of this show who go out there in the world and spread our our joy to other people. <laughs> but uh, this movie. So the first, 
it's like they meet and they fall in love and that's like the first 20 minutes and then the actual chunk of this movie is about how he is like in love with baseball and it like ruins their relationship kind of so i actually think this is a good romp like the idea is very good um but this movie is the all-time for shit coming together it's an all-time banger of just bad horrible shit you have jimmy fallon and drew barrymore who give you the worst acting you will ever see in your entire life jimmy this is when they were still trying to make jimmy fallon like an actor uh he's very bad drew barrymore is very bad uh the fairly brothers are very bad uh, I don't know why they directed this movie. Uh, the only reason you can tell they did is because there are a lot of the mainstay actors that are in all of their movies. And then there's a couple dick jokes. Uh, and that's the only reason you could tell it was a Fairly Brothers thing. And, and then uh, whoever wrote the screenplay for this thing really shit the bed. Uh, because they it's like some of the worst fucking dialogue you'll just ever hear. Let's look. Lowell Gans. Uh, Splash. The Tooth Fairy. Uh, Parenthood, and then some. This guy also wrote some of my favorite movies: Multiplicity, A League of Their Own, City Slickers. Uh, so I don't know what's up with this guy. He wrote some all-time bangers, but he also wrote some real bad ones. Him and his writing partner, Babalu Mandel, who also wrote all these movies with him. No, I don't know what that means. Then maybe they this lost guy, the magic. Well, they had it when they wrote Multiplicity, City Slickers, and A League of Their Own, and Spies Like Us. And then they lost it when they wrote Splash, Tooth Fairy, and Robots, and then Fever Pitch, I guess. So, anyways, this is like a perfect shitstorm. Ro- Bad what actors. The fu- robots. Yeah, robots. You know that animated movie with Ewan McGregor? Oh. And like, I think Robin Williams is in that too, actually. God. Yeah. Okay. See? That that movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so these guys have some all-time bangers and real bad, but this movie is just an ultimate shitstorm of like bad actors bad screenplay and just the wrong directors to do it. Everything was wrong with this movie. So it's kind of a bummer because I actually think, uh, I think this movie could be really good. The other thing, Jared, and this is a little sports history for you. Uh, did you know that they had to change the ending to this movie? Uh, not, a th- not maybe I did at the time, but I've, uh, thankfully forgotten. Well, let me fill you in, Jared as a Boston Red Sox fan. Uh, I watched these games when they were happening. Yeah. Uh, I was in junior high. Uh, the Red Sox were like on a hundred year drought or something like that. And it was or from like the 20s. And they had their curse and they thought that they would never win a World Series. And they were filming this movie and Boston was in the playoffs and they were down three games to nothing on the Yankees. Yep. And everyone counted them out. And then what happened was Boston won four in a row. And then they went, and I think it was Houston they played. I can't remember. Uh, and then they went, and they beat them. And then they won the World Series. And everyone cheered. And I, I strutted into my fucking junior high with my Red Sox hat on. Nobody cares about that World Series win, though. Why? Well, no, it's about the... Oh, wait, it was the, about the... Yeah, yeah, it was about the um, the games with the Yankees. That's what really counted. Because no no team had ever done that before. Come back 3 0 Mm-hmm. So uh, I they, think they got that pennant. They got the pennant. I know. Yeah. I know sports. Yeah, you know sports. I, I, I watched Thirty for Thirty. Ooh, it, on sports. Uh, yeah, I do. Nice, nice. So yeah, uh, I think again, I'm biased because I actually am a Red Sox fan. But you are. I think 
regardless of that, I think this movie is kind of cool because it's like uh, a little time capsule to this big sports event that was uh, at the time. It was like even now, I guess people don't talk about it now other than fans. But uh, it was a it was a big thing and it was cool because it had never happened before and it was a big deal. And they went and they refilmed this movie and that's pretty cool too. Right. Or the ending. And hey, you know who has a guest appearance in this movie? Boston fan, my buddy, Stephen King. Oh, man. He throws out an opening pitch. Is he just in the stands and someone makes some some corny, shitty joke? Yeah, I I didn't – because I had seen this movie before, like when it came out in 2005 – uh, but I didn't remember it. And I, when we watched it, I was like, I wonder if Stephen King is in this. Uh, because he does go to like a lot of the, yeah. the home games for the Red Sox. Uh, legend has it. You can see him uh, in the infield there uh, reading a book always at these Red Sox games. So that's pretty cool. Uh, anyways, yeah, he, no, he throws out an opening pitch. They announce that it's uh, main, uh, main own Stephen King. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So uh, I I assume you have no opinions of fever uh, fever pitch. <laughs> None whatsoever. What about crazy stupid love? You ever heard of that movie? Um. No. I guess so you, probably, but what? you can see these were all Andy picks this week. So you, uh, you watched that movie too? Yes, I did. Wow. And I'm gonna talk about it. Holy shit. Uh, crazy stupid love. I'll, I'll be brief. Uh, this is a rom com, and it's actually pretty good. Stars Steve Carell, Julian Moore, uh, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, your buddy Kevin Bacon, Marissa Tomei. It's got all sorts of people. That's in all this. star. That's star studded. That is star studded. Uh, this one is directed by two dudes who direct a lot of movies together, um, like that Philip Morris movie and that Tina Fey movie where she's a reporter. Uh, so this is a rom com uh, about older people who fall out of love younger people who fall in love and then people who are kind of stuck in the middle. Um, it's actually pretty good, Jared. As far as like these movies go, uh, I think this is one of the better ones. What do you mean? These movies, uh, like rom-coms. Okay. It's written by Dan Fogelman, not Dan Fogelberg, but Dan Fogelman, you know him. He wrote Danny Collins star starring Al Pacino. Yeah. Which is a movie I keep trying to get Andrea to watch. But I, because like she's like, what should I watch? And I always put Danny Collins on. I'm like, why don't you watch Danny Collins? She's like, why do you keep fucking telling me to watch that movie? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it will be good. You never know. You never know. Would you watch Danny Collins with me? No. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> Crazy Stupid Love is uh, actually a pretty decent movie. Cool. Yeah, and then I watched uh, the real main ticket that we're that we can both talk about today because yeah, I watched a movie. You watched one movie. Uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want me to take this you, or do you, you? You take it. You you are the master of these puppets, after all. I am. Uh, so the creeps this week we watched uh, Puppet Master: The Littlest Reich, uh, written by our friend S Club Zaylor, and uh, this is the thirteenth of the Puppet Master movies. Uh, it has recently been put out on VOD, mm-hmm. Video On Demand. Uh, this has been touring the the festival scene for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been shocking people with its gratuitous gore. It has been offending people with its content. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Uh, so here is the Puppet Master movie, The Littlest Reich. People can go to our Full Moon special 
where I talk about every Puppet Master movie other than this. Uh, so this movie, I, ju- I guess just for, so people know, um, it's kind of a sequel to like, I guess it's like a reboot. Um, you see Andre Tumon, uh, he makes the puppets in Germany. He's a Nazi. He flees to America where he lives. And uh, in the 80s, you see him and his puppets. They're killing people. And then he dies, and it's like this famous shootout with Andrew Toulon and the police in this small town in America somewhere. And then it jumps to 30 years later, present day, and you have Tom Lennon from Reno 911 fame, and uh, I Love You Man. And he's a comic book artist, uh, not unlike Jarrett. Uh, and he's kind and of... comics retailer ex- expert. Yeah, comics retailer expert like Jarrett. Uh, he's also a sad bastard like Jarrett, and uh, his life sucks like Jarrett. So uh, you know what you know what he doesn't do is he doesn't have point? a podcast. He, he I bet he does. It's just not shown in this film. Yeah, I, I believe it's one of those details they uh, they, they, they left they out. It, 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 it didn't make it through the uh, second draft. Yeah, the second draft. Hmm. Interesting if true. Uh, so, anyways, he works at the comic store and uh, he just got a divorce, but he's got a new girlfriend. And he heard about they're gonna have this um, big. Um, convention for these puppets because people know who Andre Toulon is and there's a bunch of these puppets out in the world and he has one of these so he takes his girlfriend and the guy who owns the comic book store and they go uh, because they want to sell this thing because it's worth thousands of dollars so they go to the hotel and then what happens is the puppets get resurrected and they just start killing everybody but they mostly go after the Nazi uh like, because they're Nazi puppets in this, and they go after people Nazis don't like, like homosexuals. Homosexuals. Homosexuals and uh, people of difference. The gays. The gays and the blacks. Uh, yeah. Uh, or as they call them in this movie, the colored men. Mm-hmm. Or, and uh, who else does he go after? Jewish people. That's a big one in this one. Lots of Jewish people get taken out. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, that's Puppet Master. Written by our buddy S. Craig Zoller, uh, starring your friend Udo Kier. Briefly. So we watched them briefly. Yeah, we watched this movie, Jared. Uh, so I wrote a review about this because I had heard a bunch of talk about this. As, uh, and even from like a couple people I follow on the internet about how they thought this movie was uh, very offensive and gross and promoted Nazi propaganda and stuff like that. Uh, and I think everyone needs to just chill out a little bit because it's a movie about killer puppets and I think people are looking a little too into it. I don't. I don't think there's a controversy that uh, a lot of other people do. I don't know. I didn't think it was a big deal. Did you? No. Yeah. Like it's. It's just. It's I a mean, movie about killer puppets. Well, okay. So there is that element though, where it's like maybe we're being dismissive, being a a couple of white cis males uh, that we wouldn't be offended awesome. by anything that we see because uh, nothing can offend us. So we might not be the best gauge of what is or isn't offensive. However, I would find it a struggle to get past the filmmaking of this movie to at all think that this movie would like be seductive in any way of like Mm -hmm. implanting anything of being like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe we should do something about these people and maybe we should like get murder puppets to deal with them, you know, once and for all. Yeah. I, I find that. I don't think that's not, that's not happening. It's a bit of a stretch. We, we, I think it goes without say, I think uh, at this point, uh, 
doing this podcast now for what 110 episodes we've uh, probably filtered through a lot of uh, people mm-hmm. that would possibly think that this was offensive because it's just not it's just no it's it's not it's a gimmick for the movie it's like yeah it's it's the same as the indiana jones movies they had nazis going after people too yeah right yeah right? well i mean i guess it's like yeah they're clearly the bad guys they're yeah the, the and, monsters and like so the one thing i was thinking that like they're the bad guys and they haven't been like the puppets haven't been bad guys since one and two because after two they they like rewrite them to be good guys in the franchise like they hunt nazis for movies three to twelve mm-hmm. for some reason uh and i think i think i cracked the the case here i think it was because they were borderline trying to make these movies like almost kids movies but they also still wanted to have gore and killing so it was like this weird thing that they never got a good balance on because why make them like good guys especially in say four and five those ones feel the most like kids movies and the puppets are good guys and they fight bad puppets well it's just like charles band wanting to make like superhero movies at the end of the day yeah and exactly. This, this, I guess, is more of a throwback to the first movie where it's about killer dolls. Yeah. So that's like where I was. It's like, oh, yeah, they're making them the bad guys again because that's what these movies should be about is puppets fucking just like killing people. So if you want to do that, just make them the bad guys. What other what other easy there's no other easy or no easier way to make them bad guys than to just make them Nazis. It's already written into like the lore or the canon of the characters. So just do that. It's easy. Anyways, all that aside, uh, I thought this movie was okay. Uh, I bounced around on whether I think it's the best or not. Uh, for, or, or I should state, say firstly too, it is a puppet master movie. It's not like other, other movies. Uh, I don't think it's the best. It's, it's better than 85%. Uh, I think, I still think number two is pretty good, and I think four and five have good parts. So I'd say it's right up there with the best. The one thing this movie does have uh, that I think is better than all the rest is actual gore stuff where they're actually killing people because that's all I've ever wanted in any of these movies was to see these puppets like take people out. And they do a lot in this movie. Uh, They do some pretty unique stuff. Um, There's... Like, uh, the new puppet with the helicopter arm, I think he's really cool. He has one cool kill in this. Uh, my boy Pinhead, he's got a couple cool kills. I don't... I wish they still cut to, like, the human hands, because I thought oh, that was yeah. the best part of that character. They don't do that, but he he's still there. And uh, this movie does a, a really good idea where there's a lot of these puppets, like, even the same ones. Like, there's a, a scene where there's three tunnelers tunneling into the one guy. And I was like, that that's a really good idea, because... The problem with a lot of those movies was there was only ever one of these puppets, so you could never, like, hurt them because it's like, oh, well, we can't kill the puppet because there's only one, and that's, like, the entire franchise. Right. So having them in this movie with a bunch of them, it, it, it's way it's way easier to actually make them dispensable where, like, people just – like, there's scenes where once someone actually gets a hold of it, you just smash it on the ground and it's dead. But it's the it's I guess it's that surprise factor where they get you. Uh, there's a couple new puppets in here. There's a Hitler baby, the helicopter guy, uh, a frog, a grasshopper. Um, so it is definitely the most gory of all of these movies. Uh, there's the scene with the pregnant lady. I thought was a little bit much. Um, I don't think like 
again, I don't think it's shocking or uh, controversial. I just thought it was a little not tasteless either. I was just like, ah, we don't need this in here. I think that's that like be, uh, that's just there to shock people, I guess. Yeah, I mean, part of the thing though would be like people would find offense that you know uh, that might be like the most gruesome death in the movie because that's the one yeah. I think most people mention. And it's also oh, it's also the black woman, and yep. she get and she gets the most horrific death of them all. And that's like, yeah, yeah, make of that what you will, I guess. Yep. So I didn't think uh, I didn't much care for that one, but uh, I thought the uh, the other kills were cool and. I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. It is miles ahead for, of uh, six to twelve, which are just the biggest piles of shit on the on earth. So uh, it's not bad. It's not bad for uh, if you're into these movies at all. But I I have a hard time fi- seeing anyone being into these movies other than chumps like me. Uh, but anyways, hey, did you catch uh, the insinuation that uh, the puppets were the ones who killed Anne Frank? I thought that was a little out there. Yeah, that seemed a little, a little, a little edge lordy. Uh huh. So I, uh, I have a feeling that you didn't care for this much at all, but uh, I don't think anyone thought you would. So well, RJ, uh, this movie's a, a piece of shit. Uh-huh. Uh This should be the piece of shit master, um, the littlest shit. Uh, <laughs> I know. Nice. Very clever tonight. Um, so I've only seen the first three Puppet Masters. Um, yeah. So my sanity is intact. So I think my word is definitely more worth taking uh, yeah. on this. Because this, I, so this is this is Puppet Master thirteen. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, what are the chances this could possibly be good? Now I went into this expecting like something a far higher level of craft because then what, you know uh, we got s craig zoller writing this and mm-hmm. you're like he's a good he's written some good stuff like mm-hmm. it, it, this is crap but like you, this is what happens so often it's like sometimes these writers they have these like kind of crappy horror movies that get made after the fact or kind of like mm-hmm. in between where they're doing other things and it's complete just hack work that they're getting a check for and they're like oh take a stab at it maybe i'll make the puppet mm-hmm. master movie that really sings and they don't care because they get paid at the end of the day and they move on because most people do not pay attention to writer credits. They just look at directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I've only seen those first three Puppet Masters and those movies are just bad. Like there's no such thing as a good Puppet Master movie. They all suck. Even from, like, from the beginning, it sucks. They're boring. Um, mm-hmm. like, there's not enough puppets ever. Um, Even this one? There's Well, okay. We're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. These movies, this movie, the biggest offense of it is it's so badly made, and that the it, it is, hey, yeah, it's like the I'm not. It's probably budget though too. Like this movie mm. feels extremely low budget. Mm-hmm. There's just scenes upon scenes upon scenes of characters just talking at one another, and they're like the the energy between all the actors is so low. That mm-hmm. like because I don't think they seem particularly jazzed to be in this movie, and or like if they were, it doesn't come across at all. So there's like very little chemistry. Um, mm-hmm. What's his face, lead dude from Tom sh- Lennon? Yeah, he is like the not the guy you want as your lead actor because he is the definition of low energy. Uh, everything he says is just at the same decibel, and he doesn't he mm-hmm. he no sells everything. Um, and so yeah, the movie starts off with him. Get, after getting a divorce, and uh, he's moving back home with his parents, and of course his dad mm-hmm. shits on him because that's what mean dads do, and his mm-hmm. mom is dotting, mm-hmm. and it's all like, yep, we've all seen this before, 
and then oh for some reason like his little brother who's dead uh has a uh, a blade blade a doll in the closet this whole time mm-hmm. um and then oh yeah he works at a comic book store because that seems to be like a thing where it's like you're either working at a comic book store or a video store in these horror mm-hmm. movies now and like all you ever see is like well what no, no one's actually reading comics they're kind of just like picking stuff up and then, mm-hmm. like, not trying to show you what it is, but there's some ads for, like, the uh, Eric Powell's The Goon. That seems to be a very popular uh, movie comic thing to have in the background to fill space. Like, it's always, is like... Is it good? Goon? Yeah, I tried reading it. It's not particularly memorable or anything like that. The art's nice, but nice. it's... Cool. You know, go read Hellboy. That That's some good comics. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and then, like, his obnoxious comic store owner guy, it's, like, the laziest like depiction of like that <laughs> Kevin Smith kind of like comic store person. It's just, this person doesn't, shouldn't exist anymore. And maybe they do go to another store and let these places go out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he the, guy, he, the guy like gets in a divorce immediately and he has a girlfriend, the girl next door who just immediately, they're just going out and hanging out together. I, uh, I like that. But they there's didn't like need to fill in those gaps. No, they, 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 they just they would just are. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of scenes in this movie. It feels like there's scenes missing, and it just like yeah. jumps to the next thing. And there's no sound in a lot of conversations. It's just dialogue being yeah. delivered very flatly. Barbara mm-hmm. Crapton shows up, uh, thanklessly. Nice. Everyone who shows up in this movie is just there. The movie mm-hmm. feels dead. Uh, it's a it's so poorly made. Uh, maybe it's just like, I'm not used to watching horror movies uh, lately. And like, I just, mm-hmm. I've been so, so zoned out and watching like just movies on the regular, particularly like, like a smaller budget independent movie, where maybe I'd be a little bit more forgiving if I was watching this movie in that context, mm-hmm. like, or like where I had the uh, ladder uh, puppet master movies in my mind. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this movie mm-hmm. does not cuss the mustard. Uh, it's really bad. It, it feels exactly like a straight to video movie. It, does not live up to my hopes or expectations of like, hey, maybe this will be the first good Puppet Master movie. But no, it, it seems like there's nothing to salvage from this concept. It, they're just going to keep making worse movies. Charles Band's name mm-hmm. still on this. Uh-huh. Um, and like, I'd even say like, I'd, I forgive more of the like Charles Band 90s Full Moon stuff far more than I forget this because this movie's being made like 20 years after the fact. And it's like, why is this so crappy? Yeah, and then you got like um, uh, Fabio Frizzi, the the Italian composer, composing a new piece for this, and it's just like crap because he's old and he, mm-hmm. he he's not motivated, not in his prime anymore. So you get this like really farty, cruddy score that shows up every once well, in a while. What did you describe it as? Uh, farty. Oh, okay. Farty yeah. and farty and cruddy. I love scores like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree with you. It is very poorly made where it does look like it was shot on an iPhone, but the guy didn't even have like a stabilizer. It was just like a guy with his hand oh. up. And then like, the, the, so then you, you mentioned the gore. So yeah. They, yeah. But also it is like slit throats, which I think is like the, yeah. uh, there's a lot of slit throats, which like is probably one of the easiest gore effects you could possibly do with no money. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few that they, oh, let's like have them split open this person's chest, but it's so like the again, the 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 filmmaking is so bad. Like, there's no build up to those moments. They're just like, hey, and then this happens. Isn't that gore? And that's all it is. It's like yeah. all of it is like, man, you could have done like four or five kills, but actually built them and make them like, oh, like make me cringe when I watch them. Because mm-hmm. even the one you mentioned with the uh, uh, whatever puppet up the vagina through the the yeah. uh, womb, like that didn't like do anything to me other than like, oh, wow, 
great. And what I just, about uh, the reverse puppet with the baby inside the guy through his, and you see like the back of his spine and rib cage? No. That one didn't get you? Not, not, not a one. Do this, you think that like Craig Z- uh, Zoller wrote this like when he was practicing writing like years and years ago? And then someone heard that he had one in the in the drawer, and he's like, "Sure, you can use it if it's you want." Probably very something like that. Um, That's what I kind of imagine out yeah. of this. I can only imagine what his novels are like. His uh, his I have one. Oh, you haven't read it yet, though. I have a uh, Rats of the Broken Land, which I believe is the one he's making into a movie. So uh, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll read that soon. Yeah, see if it's actually a well written novel or not. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It sounded like. Uh, it sounded like The Searchers, the movie, is what the description was. That, but with a little bit more Bone Tomahawk in it. Hmm. So. That could be entertaining. Or... Yeah, I'll, ch- I'll check. It's not big either. It's only like 300 pages. I'll check oh, it out. And we got that Mel Gibson movie of his coming along real soon. That's premiering uh, like next week yeah. in Venice or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, anyways, Puppet Master, uh, I am of a different mind because 6 to 12, which was like s- countless hours of my life, uh, were some of the worst movies I have ever seen. <laughs> so watching this was like a refreshing change for me because I was like, hey, it's actually a movie again. It's a bad, very low-budget movie, but it's not unwatchable horseshit like all those other ones were. Yeah. It's. I think it's still pretty pretty bad. Uh, I. You know what? You though? try watching those later two, two, days. Two, 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 uh, two, I just won't. Uh, two yeah. weeks from now, Hereditary is out on Blue. Maybe, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah. I can people finally watch that. People want to know what you think yeah. about that movie. Yeah, uh, it's coming real soon. See if uh, you laugh at uh, the ending or uh, if you take it seriously. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, that's all I watched uh, after your uh, recommendation. Uh, I don't think I recommended it, but the podcast would have been over if yeah. you hadn't watched it. So. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I was kind of iffy about watching this, but then after our, our actual creep, uh, this week, I was like, yeah, I should, I should check that out. I should it's, check it out. It's, it's fitting. A, a compare and contrast. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's why I watched Fever Pitch too. Yeah. It's just like our criterion this week. Exactly. It's all about yeah. the, the Boston the jews yeah uh hey rj you got, you got, you, you, before we get there i got any news for us i don't think so yeah i uh i didn't even look did you mm, i kind of did but like nothing really jumped out at me this week i mean what, what 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 do we got here we got some like some movie with chinese people being number one in the box office what crazy rich asians yeah and they're and you yeah. know and of course they had a, they have a hit so warner brothers is all over making a sequel mm-hmm. gotta, gotta, i would be gotta, too gotta, gotta capitalize yeah uh danny boyle is not gonna direct james bond that's mm. news for someone in the world yeah someone who likes uh i don't, I don't care for danny boyle he i'm gonna say he is uneven yeah i don't care oh you know what's news so there's lots of suspiria trailers out there I haven't watched any of these, but uh, I'm calling it right now. I don't think that movie's going to be any good. No? No, I don't know. It seems too over the top. I've just seen, like, stills from it, like stills of uh, Tilda Swinton in, like, her, like, very red dress in the background. And I feel like they're going to try to copy the uh, the flair of Suspiria too much, and they're going to miss it. 
I, I don't know. Still I could be wrong. I haven't seen anything about it yet. Like I've uh, I haven't watched that trailer. I haven't seen any no. stills. So I don't know. Eh, who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Um, who I just knows? I just saw hot off the press Quentin Tarantino as Lena Dunham to his big Hollywood movie. Oh no! Um, whatever. Uh, it's uh, Tarantino. He knows what he's doing. Who cares? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. It could be anybody. Uh, I'm sure she has a purpose. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's next year. We'll see if it actually gets all together and whatnot. But uh, mm-hmm. there they're can't miss affairs in case you're uh, not aware of people listening to podcasts about film. Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. makes movies you watch. So that's fun. He doesn't have any uh, criterions, though. He doesn't. Well, I mean, and he also uh, spent a lot, long part of his career working with those Weinsteins. So, oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh, jokes. Sorry. Cool. All right. Um, I think that's it. This yep. is it's just another week in a life. Uh, after the break, things are going to get real cheery, real serious Ooh. after afterwards. It's going to be fun, right? Brass buttons, green silks, and silver shoes. Warm evenings, pale mornings, autumn blues, and the time. comes a masterpiece of our time, the shop on Main Street. It's 1942, a small town in Slovakia. Rosalia, the elderly widow who owns a little button shop. Tono, the luckless town carpenter, a simple, decent man. His wife, Evelina, avaricious and lusty. His hated brother-in-law, commander of the town's Nazi militia. Here is a warm and humorous story of ordinary people caught in the web of history's tragic events. Tono is proclaimed Aryan controller of the shop of a poor Jewish widow. He comes as her oppressor and finds instead that he has become her helper and ultimately her benefactor and friend. Out of this relationship unfolds a story of shattering force. The shop on Main Street a searing and powerful film that will move you to laughter and tears with its revelation of human frailty. A once peaceful village is taken over by the local militia.
a leader of the community is pilloried. An old lady is about to be deported. And a simple man must answer the thundering question, am I my brother's keeper? The Shop on Main Street, a film the critics have proclaimed a masterpiece. Directed by Jan Kadar and Elmer Close, starring Ida Kaminska and Josef Kroner, the winner of the 1965 Cannes Film Festival Special Acting Awards. The Shop on Main Street, compelling, haunting, a film of power and simplicity, one of the great films of our time, for all time. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about The Shop on Main Street from 1965, directed by Jan Kadar and Elmar Kloss. Uh, synopsis here from Letterboxd. Quiet, unassuming, perfect. Two employees at a gift shop can barely stand one another without realizing that they are falling in love through the post as each other's anonymous pen pal. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about The Shop Around the Corner starring mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart, which you know what, RJ? When, mm-hmm. I, when I read the title, The Shop on Main Street, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like, oh, it's like a Czech kind of new wave movie. It's going to be a uh, new wave. New wave. It's going to be like kind of a, a, a jaunty little uh, quirky Czechoslovakian movie about mm-hmm. a, an, a guy and an older lady. Oh, no. <laughs> For the shop on Main Street, the synopsis from Letterboxd, in a small mm-hmm. town in Nazi-occupied Slovakia during World War II, uh, decent but timid carpenter Tono is named Aryan comptroller of a button store owned by an old Jewish widow, Rosalie. Since the uh, post comes with a salary and standing in the town's corrupt hierarchy, Tono wrestles with greed and guilt as he and Rosalie gradually befriend each other. When the authorities order all Jews in town to be rounded up, Tono faces a moral dilemma unlike any he's known before. Uh, RJ, my first note about this movie that I'd never seen before, and I think mm-hmm. as I stated last week, uh, at the end of the week, I knew nothing about, uh, and I believe uh, you just said, like, based on the title alone, and it's, yep. it's year or whatnot, was like, that sounds really hor- like really horrible time to watch this boring-sounding mm-hmm. movie. Uh, my note here is, cripes um as i was not expecting uh this film that i guess could also go by uh the complicity of evil um yeah so yeah anyway so this is a movie that is uh yeah set in war war, wars happening nazis have taken over the town life's kind of going on you know and there's this nice backdrop of uh you know the Jews being taken away. Uh, in the who? Tra- the Jews are being taken away in okay. trains, RJ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I wasn't expecting that this to come up in this movie. So, oh man, Th- these these movies are never a good time. They're they're real, <laughs> RJ. This is uh, real real talk. It's grim stuff. Uh, I always remember uh, many years ago when I was watching The Pianist for the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. Anytime you're confronted with like anything about pogroms and roundups and uh, ghettos mm-hmm. and Nazis and shit, gets you down. It really reminds you just how capable of evil humanity is. And, uh, you know, sometimes I like to be like uh, in the right mindset going in, expecting, kind of knowing, okay, this is what we're going into. I didn't know that this is what it was until 1942 rolled across the screen. And I'm like, oh, 
Oh God. And uh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. This movie. It I, sounds like you had a good time. Oh yeah, a real good time. Because it just it yeah. snuck up on me. Uh so this movie. Uh one of my notes here. I I did not take very many notes. I was pretty immersed mm-hmm. in watching this thing. because uh, it's just like it's a really well made movie. Um at like whatever two a little over two hours long i i stopped the movie a couple times because i was kind of like oh my god like i know what's mm-hmm. coming next i'm like i have to take a break I, i'm like really enjoying this movie but i have to take a break i have to go do something else right now i don't want to finish this all in one go because mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna weigh on me heavy um i was aware though that if this movie were remade and or this movie was like made now uh, it would be really intolerable and would be really saccharine and shitty. Um, I can, I was just trying to imagine like modern actors doing the Steve same Carell. stuff. Steve Carell as Tony. Um, yeah. and then like who, who, who's like, like Helen Mirren or something like that. Uh, yeah. and like someone like zany old lady playing it and mm-hmm. it, it, it would just be like brutal. And like, we'd mm-hmm. all be making fun of this Oscar bait crap. Speaking of which, this film did win Best Foreign Language Film from the Oscars in 1965. Hey, for, that's nice yeah. to know. Yeah, so another uh, Best Foreign Language Film here in the Criterion. Seems like it's been a while uh, since we came across one of them bad boys. Maybe it was like mm-hmm. Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie. Maybe there was there was a run of like four yeah, in like a row. Bla- and there was like Black Orpheus and all. They're all in the same window yeah. time, like when the awards started and stuff like that. And so yeah, they were pumping out those uh, those Best Foreign Language Films back in the day mm-hmm. with that Criterion. Um. Yeah, I, yeah. This movie's really good. Uh, I'm. I I think. Uh, I was uh-huh. into. Uh, let's see. Like I said, I didn't take notes. I'm kind of like free balling it here. Oh, uh, gross! Disgusting. When did you watch this? Was it yesterday or two days ago? Two nights ago. Okay. Two nights ago. Yeah. So I watched this Monday. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It's got that, it's kind of a, it's a weird movie. It doesn't like, it's kind of like bounces between like this kind of loose kind of, kind of a comedy ish Mm -hmm. elements. Like it's got this, but it's got this discordant soundtrack whenever like, yeah, yeah, it's really like, whoa, this is like Mm -hmm. a, this is like an unusual sound. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like off-putting, which I think is the intent. There's like these shots of like the, the, kind of like when you're on the street, the promenade and you're doing this stuff like that. There's like a lot of, um, performance of people kind of all circling around and like this idea of like human decency and it's all kind of like this horrible mask of horrible things that are about to happen um and it never even tries to get into or explain uh like what would drive anyone to like be so like vehemently anti-semitic and like just like talking about the jews in this way because there's no need to explain it because it doesn't make any sense it's horrible and uh it's just it's it's yeah, do your do your research. I don't need to get deep into this stuff. Can uh, you explain to me what Nazis are? <laughs> what what are Nazis? Yeah. Um they're the bad guys. Contrary to what uh Puppet Master, the Littlest Reich. Yeah, yeah. Contrary to what Puppet Master the Littlest Reich would have you believe. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they're 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 heroes of the movie if you're an <laughs> idiot who's uh who wants to be offended. No, mm-hmm. um here it's just like this is they're the bad guys and this is like a horrible situation. And it's like, how do regular people like you or I survive or exist in a world where this is happening? Cause this is, this always goes back to the question of like, well, how the hell did any of this happen in the first place? Didn't like good people stand up or did they, and they just allowed evil to exist. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's always about context and like 
yeah, there's a lot of things in place there. Like, oh, you, you actually, uh, if you are sympathetic to the Jewish cause, uh, you are beaten roundly in the street and made an example of to deter people from helping a fairly like loose system of how you can control people and get away mm-hmm. with things. Um, but it's effective because most people are, at the end of the day, weak and selfish and they're in it for themselves uh, because that's just kind of how we're wired, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this film just sets up Tony, who's just kind of a, a schmohawk. He's a, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a guy, he's, he's doing like bit work here and there, getting paid not enough. His wife, mm-hmm. real ball buster. She's like yelling at him to get payment. He's like, well, you know, I didn't get all the money. You know, he's like a, a lovable, oh, uh, a real mm-hmm. Tim Allen, you know, he'd be right at home in a, in a, in a, in a situational comedy. I I had a home improvement vibes from this as well. I really don't know why. <laughs> so is that uh, is that just a, a feeling this movie puts off? Yeah, it's it's like, yeah, Aru? Oh, indeed. Um, so <laughs> what so what happens is his brother in law, this Tony, he, mm-hmm. he he's right in there with those uh, the the the, Nazis. the 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 police uh, mm-hmm. the, the government forces that are uh, betting up with the, the Germans. Um, and he's like, "Hey, I got a sweet gig for you. You just have to like take over this button shop." And uh, mm-hmm. of course, it all turns out that it's kind of like a swindle. There's a lot of people getting drunk, pissing in alleys, and stuff like that to celebrate. Uh, it's real uh, European wild times getting drunk. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we settle into the the main thrust of the movie, which is the uh, interactions between Tony and Rosalie, uh, the the sweet old Jewish lady who's basically deaf. And uh, you get the the back and forth hijinks of uh, her misunderstandings and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's like this is the part where I was like, man, like this movie is like in this movie, this is working for me. But if this was a remake, it would it would, this would suck so much, and it, it speaks so much to like how a movie shot the the subject matter, the time and place. Um, there's like a, a certain distancing because this is like a kind of a nichey kind of like you know, Czechoslovakian 1960s cinema. So it doesn't feel like the way that modeling Hollywood would. So it kind of makes this kind mm-hmm. of subject matter acceptable to me. And it feels uh, genuine uh, rather than like really like trying hard to lay it on thick um, because it then kind of just starts building as you start seeing the ramifications of the society as things start getting worse and worse. And you're kind of like the people in the community are being asked to kind of go along with worse and worse things. And then you get these like uh, scenes with Tony, like getting real angry with his wife, slapping mm-hmm. her around. Like, and it's like, just like Jarrett style. <laughs> thanks. Uh, not, <laughs> not, not Jarrett style. Um, kick, kicking a dog, throwing shit at the dog. Yeah. Um, and then, then just climaxes into this brutal, brutal ending of a movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this movie is like, per- like, I didn't know what to expect. I think this movie is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a very nice example of what the Criterion Collection should be all about, which is getting these mm-hmm. movies a uh, second life. Unfortunately, I think what happens though is like, uh, with that title, uh, and it kind of being niche. I mean, when, when you have like now, like the Criterion putting on stuff like Breakfast Club and like these big movies, yeah. horror, Princess Bride, Princess Bride, like they're horror movies. We all look forward to stuff like these kind of big name cult movies that like everybody wants to see. They want, they're, they're never excited about these smaller mm-hmm. movies. And so those movies kind of do a disservice to a movie like this. Cause this movie is like going to be mm-hmm. like someone's like, 
bottom pick of ever something to watch uh other than yeah. like they're being told hey you got to go out of your way to watch this or like you're going on i'm going to watch all the best foreign language films or i'm going to learn more about czechoslovakian cinema during the soviet mm-hmm. era um but so yeah something like this is going to slip through the cracks but anyway rj uh mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm pretty i'm feeling pretty enthused about this movie uh nice. what did what did you think about the shop on main street this movie sucks hard yeah no, I'm just kidding. This movie's pretty good. Uh, I, I was just going to say, though, uh, I, I like what you said. I, I'm going to give you this one, this one time. Oh, you're going to give me I'm gonna credit give you one, for once? One time. Holy crap. Uh, I, uh, I I do like what you said about the mainstream movies that people want in the Criterion now because that's kind of what it's associated with, like the Breakfast Clubs. And uh, I agree. This is the kind of movie that I feel like what Criterion is. Like I talk about that here and there about like what I think Criterion movies are. This is one of those ones that I think is a Criterion movie, like uh, a forgotten film from long ago from far away. uh, That's really good and has a really important message and people don't know about it because it's either forgotten for this reason or that reason. And it's one of those movies that almost shouldn't exist anymore. You know, it's like this movie could have very easily have just been lost to like forever and it kind of is right like i mean what in what world what time if we weren't doing this podcast if we weren't insane and doing this criterion creep going through all the movies in order Mm -hmm. would would you or i watch this movie like yeah i i never would have watched this it's on nobody's top 10 list it's never going to be like it's not seven samurai it's not the seven Mm -hmm. seal it's not one of the obvious movies it's not it's not a wes anderson movie uh it's Mm -hmm. not like oh david kronberg scanners that's (laughs) like that's one of the best 10 greatest movies of all time it's like oh because it's like the subject matter too it's like mm-hmm. it's it's real serious shit and grim. Like I said, like it could be in like a three pack with uh, Schindler's List and The Pianist. Well, and like I, those are the movies that people are going to go to for their uh, feel bad times. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's like lots of options. Uh, there's actually another movie that like I wanted to actually watch because it's very similar to this called The Pawnbroker, mm-hmm. um, and it is because it's like. Really well regarded. Let me just double check on this bad boy. But it's similar yeah. themes, low key, really well made movie. Um, I, and I, like in this movie, yeah. like everyone who sees it loves it. But then, um, yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's it's survivors of the Holocaust. So it's the the other mm. side of things. But uh, yeah, grim grim subject matter and uh, grim indeed. Yeah. I believe just a you know. Uh, teaser here. I believe next week's movie is also a Czechoslovakian World War II drama. It sure is. So uh, a little little theme here. But anyways, I just wanted to say I do agree with you. Uh, I think I think this is a good example of what Criterion movies should be. Movie like this. You know? Yeah. A movie like this one. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, I almost watched this with Andy. She asked if it was an Andy pick. And I read out the description, and she's like, that sounds okay. I was like, it's also Czechoslovakian from 1960. And she's like, no, I don't want to watch that, Uh, which I think was the right call uh, because this old lady is a lot like Andy's grandma, who Mm. is also a Holocaust survivor who fled Okay, well, I'm glad that you said Holocaust (laughs) survivor and not Holocaust denier. No, uh, Survivor. <laughs> uh, she, yeah, she uh, fled Europe uh, when she was a young young girl. Uh, and this old lady is a lot like how her grandma is now present day. 
She's very like uh, she has dementia, so she's very like forgetful. Mm-hmm. She's still pretty sharp, but she says the same stuff over and over again. And you'll say something to her, and she'll be like, "Huh?" Make, making those dumplings. Yeah, yeah. She'll like make. She'll just bring food out too, and you're like, "Oh, what a sweet old lady." And then Andrew's like, "How was your movie?" I was like, "It was good." Uh, the ending would have made you sad. <laughs> it, w- it would have made you a little bit sad. And I explained it to her, but uh, anyways, it was it was not an Andy pick. She would have liked it, but it would have made her sad for a while. So uh, I did like this movie. I thought it was really good. Uh, I do have a few, not cr- uh, criticisms, but just comments as a whole. Uh, I think the first, this movie is misleading in the first half an hour because, as you said, it's kind of has dips into comedy. And one of my first notes was, is this a comedy? Because I was like, what is this? Because there's a lot of like physical gags with the lead where they're building up that he's kind of like a schmuck. And the way they do that is through physical humor. So it's like the stuff with the foot bath. And then it's like him tripping over stuff or being clumsy and dropping stuff. And uh, they're kind of like gags. And you're like, oh, this is kind of, it's like a weird kind of bit of humor. But I see why they do it to set up like his dilemma later. He's this kind of clumsy schmuck guy. But then also like what you said, there's this weird music. And I was trying to pinpoint it the whole time because there's a, there's a different movie and it's probably someone like Hans Zimmer or some shit <laughs> where there's like a score and that's all I could think about in this movie. And I was like, I feel like this music's really out of place. Like it doesn't it didn't fit for me. I was like, I don't know. This music doesn't it doesn't seem like it's appropriate for this movie, but I don't know. That was just me. So there are things like that where I think I was a little thrown off. Not because, not because it was bad. I understand why some of the like I understand the the humor bit, but I was kind of like I don't I don't know where these fit in with this movie, like especially the music. So there's stuff like that. But this movie also does a really good job at setting the context, at building on who the dude is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get some great scenes with like his family dynamic his dynamic in the community. Yeah. Uh, who he is, like for all the people that live around him. Well, some of it even feels a little Fellini-esque with that character work. Bit. Yeah. With the, uh, the town crier who's like being bummed out that they're putting in speakers and it's speakers. Like, so what's, what's, yeah. what's the point of this guy? Yeah. Yeah. And it's remembering, uh, Latrow where it's like, that's another lost trade, like town speaker, man, just mm-hmm. another lost trade. But uh, like stuff like that, um, I think they do a really good job at uh, his family dynamic, where it's like his wife and then the sister-in-law and then there and the brother-in-law, where there's this weird interplay where it almost seems like they all want to be with the other one. Mm. That's what I got at least. Like his wife for sure wants to be with the brother-in-law, but like the sister-in-law was nice to him. But then I also wrote my first note was brother-in-laws. Am I right? Because he comes in strutting his stuff and he's uh, getting drunk and he's all he's all hands, Jared. I don't know if you know noticed, but he was grabbing some ass. Oh yeah, and some tits. And uh, not that my brother-in-law does that, but uh, I'm sure somebody's brother-in-law does that. But uh, I thought they showed um, like the dynamic really well, especially when he like yells at him, where he you can just tell he's like he's had enough. And he like loses on it. He's like, listen here, you fucker. He's like, this is my house. He's like, I know you're a big guy and big important guy. But he's like, why don't you just leave me alone? And then there's like the back and forth. And then they get drunk and they go have a pee in the back in the alley. Um, so anyways, I 
I think the movie does sets that stuff uh, really well, where they show why he feels these pressures from the family, and then him in the community, he's seeing like other people lose their jobs, and he's kind of like this low level dude who doesn't really have much to do and he he has no work and it kind of it sets the scene for why he gets kind of put in the position he does so they do stuff like that right um, well because like really. i think yeah because i think they're trying to like situate the viewer into that world though too and like yeah. it's kind of yeah. easier to like because they first they set you up with this guy who's a goof so it, put, it puts immediately kind of you above him so you're kind of like kind of laughing at his plight but then they slowly humanize him and so you also kind of get drug along with it and it comes to a point though where he starts like doing the right thing and he starts becoming yeah. very protective of uh rosalie and like making sure like yep. when he's like freaking like where did she go god i gotta start and you start you have to start protecting her and stuff like that and you're like yeah you gotta protect the old lady and so it, it kind of uh tricks it doesn't tricks you it manipulates you into his position and then like when you start getting the real horror of it and starts putting you into these situations that you don't want to be in uh you don't want to be like oh shit my life's on the line and i mean you never like are fully there where you're like yeah, you got to send that bitch out there. You got to save yourself, bro. Like it yeah. doesn't go that route. It's more like you now are watching in horror as he's doing these thought exercises about selfishness mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, don't do it, dude. Oh, don't be that guy. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. And you start like, kind of like, you're like, oh God, this guy's doing really bad things now. Oh, oh no, don't, th- don't yep. no, don't throw her into the closet. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, <laughs> they, they do a good job, a uh, good job showing like the conflict of the dilemma for him where like you were saying, they were, they show you the relationship between them, like them working together and he's like a goof and she's like kind of a quirky old lady. And she's like, get out of here. You go do something else. Mm-hmm. So he like goes and just keeps busy in the back, which turns out that's what he likes more. He just likes doing stuff in the background. He doesn't want to be upfront and, uh, it works well for them. She like cooks him some food. They do some work for each other. And he's like, you know what? This is actually not that bad. But then, the conflict comes with him and it's like you said where he's kind of dealing with this with his own decisions he's like am i going to put myself on the line for this lady that i'm kind of friends with now and uh i think that's that's the heart of the movie and it's the best part of the movie too where it's like what 20 minutes of him running back and forth trying oh, to decide on whether yeah. he's flip-flopping on whether or not he should do it he's like should i fucking throw this old lady in the street Mm-hmm. Or should I just or, like hang out? Or how, he's like, or, they're not here yet. Well, it keeps fluctuating because it's like, well, is she like, oh, we, we have to hide her. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, no, it's too late. We can't hide her. She's just going to get caught. And then the, 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 I know what's going to happen to me because they're, they're going to think I'm guilty. And I'm like, you know, I'm the I'm the worst now in this like community because we see what happens to people who help those people. You get beaten. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get beaten. I'm going to get shot in the back of the head. And then, yeah, then you get exposed to just like, the fact that people are pretty okay with horrible things happening as long as there's money in it. Um, like yeah. where you get the payoff. I, I was going to say, uh, this is uh, another in a long line of Criterion movies where uh, money, once again, money is the answer to everyone's problems. Yeah. Like he, he gets some money, he goes buy some perfume and his wife is just happy, no more problems. No one thinks he's a schmuck anymore. Yeah. He's getting haircuts. He's wearing suits. She really wants to know where that that gold is in the old lady's house. That part, I shouldn't have laughed, but I thought that was pretty funny. It's like, you know, that old Jew has gold mm-hmm. hidden in the floors. And I was like, oh, my God. That's some that's some real that's some real stuff right there. Some real stuff. Uh, this movie has lots of crazy stuff like that. Uh, like there's a scene where he's oiling the hardwood. He's 
it, he's like a bucket and he's got a hole in it and he's like doing a zigzag yep. on the wood and he like sweeps it and I was like what is he doing was he oiling it something like that's that. way different than saying that old Jewish ladies hide gold in their yeah floors. yeah I'm not but sure I was just, the linkage there <laughs> I, I was just looking at my notes at weird stuff uh there is um what did I say they say a white flag is a sign of victory I thought that was kind of weird because mm-hmm. I don't think that's how it works uh, I have two do- uh, two timestamps, Jarrett. At one seventeen, I had a note that said, "A nice little goose." Oh yeah, sure that, 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 that that old lady's like tossing. Yeah, she's that buying goose, that goose, holding upside down, checking it out. And then at uh, an hour or not a minute seventeen, hour seventeen, and then at an hour twenty one, I wrote a barn full of hair. So I don't really know. I, I don't oh, remember. The, the, Is that there, a there's the, there's yeah. There's the Jewish uh, barber, and he talks about like while well, he's kind of like packing up because he knows like they just mm-hmm. seized his shop because that's oh, what the fucks well, did. He's okay. like, I'd have like all the all the hair I've cut all the, over the years. I'd have a barn full of hair, and it's all for naught. I see. That that was the bit. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, horrifying can, isn't that shit like horrifying like is you know this idea horrifying? that like uh, the state can just be like oh hey we're just going to write laws that say we can do that now how, how do you like them apples and according to some types of people online they're like well it's the law you gotta follow it what, what are you breaking yeah. the law for it's the law it's what it is hey, it's- trust the government Jared that's why we elect them to make decisions for us that they and they always do right they always do the right yeah. thing yeah, like, uh, I don't know how people didn't know Nazis were bad when they implement the dog tax. Yeah. If you own a dog, you're going to get taxed. I saw that, and I was like, what is this horse shit? Mm-hmm. It's pretty keep, depressing, keep man. Your do- keep your dogs indoors, no more keep outside. Keep your dogs indoors. Uh, yeah, so you can tell Nazis are bad dudes mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. Uh, and then there's two other things I want to talk about. Uh, I think this movie has some big symbolism that uh, I, I can't deconstruct myself. Uh, one is the obvious one with the Tower of Babel there. Oh, yes. Um, I think there's more to that than meets the eye. There's a few, a little bit that I got from it, but, uh, you know, I'm going to keep that to myself because people don't care what my opinion is. Uh, but then the other one was uh, the birds, and I don't know what that one means. So at the opening, you have the, – they're like big stork-looking oh, things. Oh, on the roofs. Yeah, and then you see them later on too. Like, I don't know if that's just a regional thing or if that has some something for the movie. I was like, I wonder what these birds mean. I think uh, I feel like it's uh, hmm, without like thinking about it too much. I feel like it just added sort of like a weird kind of vibe to the movie. Like it feels real because they're shooting something that exists, and it and it grounds okay. it in a way that's like banal and kind of like yeah. oh. There's these shots. It's like, these are really, this is just nice footage of these birds and they're kind of like doing yeah. it. And you're like, they're going about their business. Like it's like, there's, it's just life. This is what it is. And, uh, the birds look like they might have it rough cause they're, they're birds, but their life probably is a little bit better cause they don't have to deal with the horribleness that, uh, is the situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I think. Uh, and then, uh, the other thing I was going to say is this movie really clicks for me when you get to the ghost dreams which i think is kind of mm. obvious not the ending one but just that yeah. first one where the, when they're on that like that floating tram yeah and they're talking to each other but they're not actually talking to each other it's just voiceover stuff uh when that when that scene hit i was like oh yeah that's the good stuff right there so uh this movie uh packs a punch it's got it's got an all-time banger ending i think uh it's pretty good 
I uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't know what you thought about that ending. I thought it was pretty uh, pretty sad. I'm kind of glad. You're, you're unsure whether I you liked it or not. I am glad. I mean, it could have just ended. Okay, spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could have ended with just like the rope or the knock over of the chair. Mm-hmm. And because uh, he kills himself, which is the right thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. probably at the end of the day, like, and it means like everything was for naught, all the stressing about his own yeah. life and whatnot. Well, you forget, you forget to mention he threw her in the closet to hide her, but she's super old yeah. and she dies. Yeah. She bro- so, breaks her neck or something like that yeah. and, and ridden with guilt. And there's this, this like almost like serial killer like cam that's like mm-hmm. following him around the accusatory viewer cam that's following mm-hmm. him. And he's like avoiding the, the gaze of the viewer who, who, of God or whatever you want to call it. That's judging him. And then mm-hmm. he, he, and then you're like, Oh, he sees that, uh, that little bit, bit of a lantern uh, hook and he goes and fetches himself some rope. And I just, and I'm nodding along going, yes, yes. And mm-hmm. then it's all over with the crying. Cause it's just, that's it. He, he did it himself in because that's the only way you can reconcile yourselves with this, this horrible world that you find yourself in. Uh, and then you get this mm-hmm. sort of like musical send off uh, with the backdrop of yeah. the, the monument, uh, mm-hmm. this, the garish horrible like ugly as fuck monument that then turns into this kind of like yeah. be- beautiful little musical set piece, like some sort of like a, a, a Czechoslovakian attempt at like a mm-hmm. Bugsby Berkeley uh, musical thing. As mm-hmm. you send these two characters off Harold and Maude style. Uh, and uh, it's all, it's yeah. all, and it's all good. And it's kind of like, Hey, we just dragged you through a really harrowing experience. Here's a musical number. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad they left me on that note rather than just like, Oh, depressed. Holocaust mm-hmm. is coming. This is bad. Oh God. And oh, this is bad. Yeah, I feel bad. Oh God. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, you should feel bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like the ending. I think it's nice. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's nice that that guy hung himself and him and his old lady friend float off into the. Uh, well, because his wife was because yeah, his wife's a horrible human being. Uh, oh, she always sucked. Yeah. She always sucked. Yeah, money grubbing. As soon as she gets that little bit of power, she's like, oh, we can buy all this other stuff. He's got to find mm-hmm. that gold. And we need more money. you got to ask her. you gotta, you got to get it out of her. These Jews, mm-hmm. and you're just like, ah, oh, that's how it begins, huh? The what? This is how it begins. Oh. You gotta get, you got to get the money from the Jews. The Jews. God damn it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So. Uh yeah. So, uh, you wonder, uh, are you wondering who who hates uh, the shop on uh, Main Street? I have a feeling some people do. Uh, Surprisingly, final note, it's okay. a good show. Yeah, uh, it's very few people. It's not Is it that because many. no one's ever seen this movie. Uh, Most that's probably a good reason. That's usually why. Yeah. Uh, usually, the people who are drawn to this movie are the ones who are going to like it. So it's, you're going to get like a probably a few number of people who are checking it out blindly. Uh, Will you check it out for me right now, big boy? Well, two stars from Nathan N. The only movie I slept halfway through. Maybe I'll rewatch it again. See, it's not, that's not even hate. You, you know what he didn't sleep through? What? Branded to Kill. Ooh. Which is uh, a movie I, I slept through. <laughs> hey, oh, uh, he's also watching all the Harry Potter movies right now. And he ranks Chamber of Secrets on par with uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. And uh, I just got to say, Jared, that's ludicrous. That's a crock bowl. That is ludicrous. Anyways. Um, and then this uh, land skip fella. Mm-hmm. Uh, two and a half stars. 
failed to hook me. Uh, you know what failed to hook me? What? Lance, one of Landscape's favorite films, Le Million. Uh, previous Creep, yeah. that musical number, Le Million. Uh, that movie is not like anything. That's a movie I... I How is that anyone's favorite movie? That is that is crazy. Uh, that's surprising. Actually, I'm surprised. I was like one of the... the I'm like a defender of that movie to a certain degree. It seems like no one really cares about that one too, too much. Yeah, but it's no one's favorite movie. Well, Come no. On. God, that's, that's, that's silly. This person also likes Haosu and Where the Red Fern Grows. No, that's okay, I guess. Yeah. Teach their own, I guess. But yeah, mm. that's it. No one's no that's one's it, uh, eh? going, no, it's pretty it's, I don't know. It'd be a tall order to not be a fan, I guess, but it can it could happen. I don't know. I I guess it's I what guess. you put sometimes. If you're someone who's seeking out nineteen sixties Czechoslovakian World War Two dramas, then you're you're probably interested in it and you're not watching it just to watch it and end up hating yeah. it. And I mean like yeah, like on a technical level, the way this movie's shot, like it's really good. The uh, I mean, it's always a disconnect when you're watching foreign language movies and reading subtitles, so you don't know exactly how the performances are. But I'd say yeah. that our, our lead here is a pretty good. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah the job. I'm curious what his name is. What do you think his name is? Claude Ludo. Old Claude Ludo. That's that's very French. Um, is it not? No. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Are you, you looking get, at do, do Joseph I... Kroner? <laughs> like the donut? Yeah. This guy, like as an old man, he's pretty, uh, he looks like a character actor, man. He could have been like a Martin Landau. Is he, is he jacked? No. Oh. But he just looks like Martin Landau. He has a portrait, his... so he's relatively famous to everyone else. Died Joseph in, Kroner. Died in 1998. Uh, notable films... This is the only one you've probably heard of. What about The Man Who Lies by Alan Robe Grillet? Oh, he's in that too? So he doesn't even get, fe- uh, it doesn't even yeah. get, it doesn't even get featured play on the IMDb. Mm, well, why are you on IMDb and not Letterboxd? I don't know. That's, that's what popped up. Chump. The Man Who Lies. You... You, know you know what? I collect the line of movies that that belongs to, and... I still haven't bought this one yet. So, so, oh yeah, Alan Robe Gorilla. That that guy is definitely not a filmmaker you're going to enjoy. Me? Yeah. Oh, you'll, okay. You're, I won't watch that one. But uh, Joseph Kroner is also in a movie called Time Stands Still, uh, and it takes place in Budapest. And there's two guys that I follow that have it in their watch list, so they must know something I don't know. I'm going to put it in my watch list. Holla. How do you like that? And then I'll watch it like a year from now, and I'll be like, I don't know why I, I was interested in this movie. <laughs> There's a very good chance of that. Uh huh. But yeah. Um, Anyways, what, it's what, good show. It's good show. What more can be said? Uh, very good movie. And uh, if you like good movies and well-crafted films <laughs> that aren't necessarily a good smooth time, something that it's a little like, oh mm-hmm. god, reminds you of the horrors of the world and our history, and waiting for something like this to happen again, and just hope that it's not happening with you around in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Check out the shop on Main Street. If you like good movies, he says. Yeah. Yeah. After the break, uh, I don't know. RJ's going to break his neck after I shove him in a closet, and I'm going to do the right thing and dance. Nice. Nice.
get my courage up There was this long, lovely dance in a little club downtown Love to watch her do her stuff Through the long, lonely nights She filled my sleep Softly swaying to that smoky beat down on Main Street. So, RJ, uh, if given the opportunity to take over a scapegoated ethnicity's uh, property, <laughs> what would you do? Uh, what ethnicity are you? I don't know any future possible uh, group that gets targeted by the state. It depends on what the shop is. Oh yeah. If it was like a donut shop, I would definitely do it. Yeah, you'll step in there. I would just sit there and eat that guy's donuts all day while he slaved. Right. What's or this, her while she slaved. It's an old lady. Yeah, while she slaved filling them jelly donuts. And and, and, and just laugh. Yeah. Andy starts talking about all the money. All that money you're making, to maybe find the rest of it, uh, yeah. and, and then you, then you light her up with a bunch of slaps. Ooh! Now you're talking your language. <laughs> See how I did that? Yeah, flipped it. You flipped it. Uh-huh. Like, that's good. Uh, yeah. you, you can email us at criteriangreaves at gmail.com and tell us how you feel about the fucking Holocaust. Uh, d- deniers need not apply. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterbox. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnlow. We're mm-hmm. on YouTube. We've got a Patreon page. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Rate, recommend, uh, rate, rate, um, um, recommend, sh- share, yeah. feed, uh, rate. feed our egos and self-worths, uh, um, all that. Recommend. All that. Hey, next week, RJ. Uh-huh. Hey, some more Czech cinema. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, we got ourselves Closely Watched Trains from 1966, directed by Jerry Menzel. Sounds pretty tough, man. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? You know, the, the last week we kind of wrote off this one, and uh, we're pleasantly surprised. And uh, let's let's hope yeah. for uh, a twofer. I guess you're right. Can you hear that? That's the sound of my hands rubbing together excitedly. Don't in, do that. It's a an, weird thing to do. Anticipation. I wouldn't, dude. I, I wouldn't. Well, goodbye. Have a great week. Bart! Much love. One love? Bye. Bart? Bart? <laughs>